0: Okay, so let's get, uh, second teaching is uh, the humble path to happiness. So we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 2 in Paul's letter to the Philippians. We'll talk about humility in this teaching as a key virtue to cultivate in our life, to be able to uh, walk in a path of happiness, particularly in our relationships. So humility is a key to unlocking true happiness in our life. Pride undermines humility. Matter of fact, oftentimes at the source of most conflicts in our relationships is pride. However, humility can resolve that conflict. So let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2 in your Bibles. This is probably one of the most revered chapters in all of Christian history. Uh, Is it because it portrays Jesus as the model of humility for us. Let's take a look at verse 1 and following. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from this, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but by each of you to the interests of others. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him on the highest place, to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Okay. All right, so let's take a look at this. Uh, Again, we'll break open the scripture before we go to the outline. Um, And uh, remember Paul, remember the context. Paul is writing to a Christian community he loves dearly. There are much joy, good memories there, but there are also painful memories, and he's writing to address conflicts in the community, uh, factions that have been stirred up, and he's addressing it and he wants to resolve it. And this is how he chooses to resolve it. Let's take a look here, uh, verse um, verse one. He says, If therefore if any have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort. The word for comfort there is encouragement or paraclesis is actually the word. It means to come alongside and help out someone. So Paul is in is portraying how Christian relationships should be worked out. They come alongside and help. You encourage. He says, if, in verse 1 again, if any common sharing in the Spirit, common here is, again, fellowship, koinonia in the Greek. It means It means to be joined together because we're brothers and sisters in Christ as a result of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Notice also, he says, uh, if any tenderness and compassion. The word for compassion here is Paul is saying in the innermost self, meaning in his guts, in his, the very bowels of him. This is, again, in the Greek, is very graphic, is that there is this heartfelt affection for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, remember, he's talking to people that have some conflict going on and also conflict with him. Okay, number, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. The word here for like-minded means uh, to think or to hold a view, be of the same mind. In other words, he's saying to them, why don't you have the same mind? And he's going to tell us what that mind is in just a minute. Verse 3, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, selfish here, uh, ambition is rival or contentious. It threatens the unity of the community. Now, um, Paul was an ambitious man. I mean, he was ambitious before his conversion, and he remained to be ambitious after his conversion too. Otherwise, he would never have evangelized almost most of the known world at that time. He was a go-getter. But his ambition was purified of a vain conceit and promotion of self and egotism and hatred. Of, in this case, it was hatred of Christians. So when Paul talks about ambition, there's nothing wrong with ambition. I like to call it, just to paraphrase it for us, I like to call it holy ambition. Paul's heart was purified. So selfish ambition is the opposite of holy ambition. Selfish ambition is acting out of contention. Or rival, to be to rival someone or some group. Paul goes on to say in verse three, rather in humility value others above yourselves. So he's talking here about thoughtful consideration of others. Humble here or humility is an a- attitude that was contrary to the culture of his day. Matter of fact, you were seen as weak if you. Ex- Practice humility. Humility was not a virtue that the ancient world valued or cherished at all. It essentially means to put others above ourselves. We'll look at how we practically do that in just a few minutes. Verse 7 here, Paul tells us then what should we be like? He talks about Jesus, and this is his model for us of practicing humility. Verse 7 says, rather, he made himself. The word for made here in the Greek means he deprived, he divested totally, he reduced himself to nothing. And it says here, by taking on the very nature of a servant. Now, the word servant here is, um, it's doulos in the Greek. It means a person who voluntarily uh, offers obedience and devoted loyalty to another. So, we're not talking about somebody forced into anything. We're talking about somebody who deliberately chooses a path of devotion, loyalty, and obedience to another. So, God's son, Jesus, had the freedom to express the fullness of God himself in everything he did. He could have flaunted his nature or promoted his self-advancement as God. But Jesus didn't do that. But rather, he, there was the complete absence of his clutching for power in his life. And he displayed a servant-like graciousness to others. Humble, and why did he do that? Because humbleness opens us up to Grace. So if we want grace in our relationships, then humility is the path to that. Jesus shows us that he could have clutched for power. He could have flaunted it. He could have promoted himself, but he chose not to. Instead, he's displayed a servant-like graciousness. What did God do? Verse 9 and following, God exalted him, which means he, he raised him up. He lifted him up. To be the Savior, to be the Lord, to be the name that in which every knee shall bend, every tongue confessed. Now, if you look at the uh, verse um, eight, it says here, "He found him being found in appearance as a man; he humbled himself um, by becoming obedient to death, and even death on the cross." Theologians call this kenosis, which means that he emptied himself, poured himself out. Even though he was co-equal with the Father, even though he was in the same substance or form as God, he deliberately emptied himself out. Okay. All right, so Paul holds out for us the model of humility. So let's take a look at your outlines, and we're going to look at practically how we apply that. Before we go to the outline itself, let me talk a little bit about humility. Humility is the basis and foundation of every marriage, every friendship, every parish community. So it's really a key virtue to cultivate. Now let me talk about what humility is not, because I think it can be confused. It's not becoming like a carpet for people to walk on. Okay? It's not degrading oneself. It's not thinking that I'm lesser than others. Okay. It's not putting myself down, you know, in a way. Um, you know, somebody comes up to you and say, "Oh, that was a wonderful job," and you say, "Oh, it was nothing." You know, uh, it's almost like I don't deserve that compliment. No, you deserve that. Compliment. You need to be honored, you know, for the work done. Yeah. So, so that's so we're not talking about putting yourself down. But what is it? It's treating people with respect. It's recognizing I don't know it all. It's recognizing that I need others. It takes on a servant's heart to others. It's not thinking less of myself, meaning degrading myself, but it's putting the focus on others. It's valuing, valuing and recognizing strength in others. So why be humble then? Cuz the Lord has made many promises to his sons and daughters in the scriptures to those that are humble. For example, James chapter 4 verse 6 God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if that's humility, then pride is just the opposite of that. And we'll take a look at that in a minute. So let's take a look at number 1, how to reduce conflict with others. Number one is never let pride be my guide. Never let pride be my guide. Pride is at the root of every sin. It's one of the deadly sins, one of the seven deadly sins. Pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride is what led our first parents to rebel against the Lord. Pride is why we have original sin and why the world is as it is today. Pride is why you and I have struggles in our own life. Pride is, someone once said, is somebody saying, I, 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 I. So they have an I problem, as they would say. So pride is really self-promotion and focused upon oneself. What is chapter 2, verse 3 says? Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from vain conceit. Selfish ambition is contentious or rivalistic with others and I think, like, um, you know, today we see this where people walk out of marriage because the marriage gets in the way of someone's career advancement. You know, um, girlfriends, boyfriends choose their girlfriends and boyfriends because it will improve their image or status. That's some of the words, the relationship serves the pers- purpose of self promotion. That's an example of pride. Selfish ambitions, take a look at the first bullet point there. Paul says, or James says rather, wherever there's jealousy or selfish ambition, you will find confusion in every kind of evil. And we find that today, where there is selfish ambition, you find confusion. We find that sometimes at places where we work, find that in the church, in parishes, find that in marriages, find that in the government. There's confusion going on. Wherever you find confusion, you can rest assured that the root of that is selfish ambition, a form of pride. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, Paul says this, Our self-indulgent nature shows itself in conflict, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, causing dissensions among people, and the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. So, Paul calls this the work of the flesh. Now, it doesn't mean our physical body. He means the drives in us that are characterized by conflict, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, and so on. We find this today on the internet, in social media. We find that people put out their perfect life, you know, on the internet. Um, So, in other words, it's it's a form of pride They want to put themselves out as being absolutely flawless, you know. Mm-hmm. So anybody who has an awareness of the Bible would say, that's not true. <laughs> we are all fl- have flaws. We're all imperfect. Let's look at the word vain conceit there. One translation, Living Bible, says, don't live to make a good impression on others. Another translation says, don't let anything from a cheap uh, desire boast. So, Pride is oftentimes the root of a lot of conflicts in all kinds of relationships. So, um, St. Bernard de Clairvaux said this, Pride is, he says, the greatest sin because it taunts the people of God to a higher degree and it aspires or, or causes us to rise up against those who have already conquered their sins. So, Bernard saw pride as a huge powerful sin that causes the human heart to feel like their sins are already conquered. And obviously it's not. St. John Clismic said this, humility is the only virtue that the devil cannot imitate. St. Uh, Vincent de Paul had an experience once where a relative came to visit him at his uh, uh, rectory. And uh, um, the, rec- the, the relative was rather poor. Uh, he was very, didn't have um, education, didn't have social gracious at all. Um, he came from the country. And when St. Vincent de Paul received him, brought into his house, he kind of told the porter, take him up to the back end of the rectory. <laughs> he didn't want anybody to know that he was his relative. And so the Lord spoke to St. Vincent de Paul's heart, convicted him of his pride. Later on, he induced his relative as a cherished family member and brought him in with all his other brothers in the rectory. (laughs) St. Vincent de Paul's status and reputation was at stake, and it was his pride that the Lord had to deal with and break in his heart. Oftentimes, the saints show us that they had to sacrifice their reputation and status to avoid the sin of pride. St. Therese of little flower, in her, her vision of the little way, said that holiness, she said, can be reached by the simple little things we do for others. Things that don't get noticed. Mike Bickle, who's a uh, non-denominational uh, evangelical pastor, said that we're to create a secret history with God. So that only God knows that, The things that we do for others, things that we do for him, the Lord, nobody else knows about it. Nobody else hears about it. Nobody else even can find out about it. It's just between you and God. He said, create a secret history with God. He said, one day when you're in heaven, God's going to unroll that secret history before all of heaven to see. Okay, so number two on your outline. Be humble or my relationships will crumble. Mm-hmm. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourself. Humility, that, some, some practical ways... That we can practice humility in a relationship is to value the strengths in others, to encourage them, to honor them for how the Lord's working in their life, to honor them for the way that the, they're allowing the Lord to work in, the, in their life. You know, you might say, gee, you know, I look at that person and I think, guys, the Lord wants to do so much in them, but how about just start with how much they're allowing Him to do and say, honor that, start there? You know, that's humility to look at where, how much they've allowed. And if it's just a little tiny bit, say, that's great that you allow the Lord to work. It's, it's like, it's like that, you know, defensive back that did that drill good. Great job. Even though that he allowed last Sunday, the guy just caught a, a touchdown for 50 yards over his head. But the drill in practice, the coach says, hey, you did a good job. Yeah. Okay. Let's turn to the next page and page number three. Again, some practical ways to create that humble path in our relationships. Number three is pay attention to others. This is, a I think, one, you might call this an ascetic discipline for our times. Asceticism is the practice of doing things that help us conform to the image of Christ. Paying attention to others is a lost art today. We are so challenged by technology, Right? How many times have you been in conversations? I know I have been with people that I'm well familiar with, so it's not like it's somebody that's stranger to me. And I pull out my cell phone. I'm going through emails as I'm listening to their conversation, right? <laughs> you know? So what's that? I'm not paying attention to them, you know? Uh, how often you know, do we find ourselves, you know, we put our cell phone off to the side in the midst of a conversation. You know, we got it there just in case, you know, something important pops up. Meanwhile, I'm dialoguing, but my attention really is divided. You know, Pay attention to others. Somebody asked Mother Teresa once, How is it that you care for all these poor people? There's so many of them, particularly in India, so many destitute, dying people. And she says, I just care for the person in front of me. That's how she did it, one person at a time. Heidi Baker, who is a uh, American evangelical missionary to Mozambique, um, who's The Lord has used mightily to help create revival and renewal in the country of Mozambique, one of the most dangerous and poorest countries in the world. She has a phrase she calls stopping for the one, stopping for the one. Paul says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, don't be interested only in your own life, but be interested in what what concerns others too. One of the ways that we're concerned about others, show concern for others, is that we pay attention to them. Our, our attention is on them. It's, to, it's devoted to them, meaning that we're focused on them. Jesus said this, Luke chapter 9, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross every day and follow me. I think one of the crosses that we carry today is to deny ourself and then practice paying attention to someone. The story of the Good Samaritan, remember that story? The guy, uh, the Jewish guy, was really beat up by robbers. And, of course, what happens along? The priest comes along, and he looks at him and bypasses him. The Levite comes along, looks at him, bypasses him. Who pays attention to him? The Samaritan. And the Jews and Samaritans have been at a 700-year war with each other. They didn't like each other. They hated each other. So the Samaritan pays attention to the, to the Jewish guy who's beaten up and puts him on his, his mule and takes him to the inn and pays for his medical care, basically. You know, he pay attention to the one, stopping for the one. If we want to practice humility, it means paying attention to others. Number four, we ask the question, "What would Jesus do?" Now that the answer to that question is derived from His Word in Scripture. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us four portraits of what jesus would do so the more we immerse ourselves in the scriptures the more that we'll take on the attitude and the mindset of jesus this is what paul says in philippians 2 5 your attitude he says should be the same as that of christ jesus what would jesus do okay so what does it mean to act like jesus Number one, the first bullet point there, actually, I don't demand what I think I deserve. How often do we go through life thinking, I deserve that? No. And we demand what we deserve. We feel entitled to it. Chapter 2, verse 6, Paul says in Philippians, though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God, he emptied himself of all he had. The meaning of kenosis is he emptied himself totally. The second bullet point, uh, what does it mean to, um, what would Jesus do? We ask that question. Second thing is he, he, we learn to serve. Our culture is very clear. It says, serve me, meaning number one. I'm number one. But the Christian approach is much different than that. Taking after the model of Jesus and humility, we learn to serve others. Self-esteem in our culture is usually determined by what I can do for myself. The Christian approach is self-esteem following the model of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 is that my self-esteem doesn't come from my salary or my status or my looks. It comes from my service. Mother Teresa, again, is a classic example of that. Uh, taking on what was the most destitute and the poorest people in the world, she served them. Uh, not, she wasn't going to improve her status in the eyes of the world. She wasn't going to get her accolades from the eyes of the world and so on. But what, what did God do with her? As a result of that, he raised her up. She spoke before United Nations. She spoke before presidents, you know. So she, following the model of Jesus, she served. Her self-esteem, you might say, came from her service to the Christ in the poorest of the poor. And God raised her up. to To be a spokeswoman to the nations. The third bullet point is make sacrifices to do what's right. Philippians chapter two, verse eight says, while living as a man, Jesus humbled himself even more by being fully obedient to God, even when that meant his death on the cross. Jesus kept on making the choice to do what's right according to his father's plan and purposes by his, and that cost him sacrifice. Sacrifice was the key to him doing what was right. So sometimes it was going to cause us sacrifices to do what's right in our relationships to act with humility towards people in our life. Okay, so humility is a path to happiness, then it creates harmony in our relationships. So, just to summarize, we don't let pride be our guide. Pride is our enemy to, to harmony relationships. Pride is our is an is an opposite to humility. Second thing is, um, if we're not humble in our relationships, our relationships will definitely crumble, because pride will breed contention, will be will bring rivalry even in the closest of relationships. And then a, a key practice in our relationships is to pay attention to others, um, and to focus upon them and. Th- we ask the question, what would Jesus do? So, so making it our goal to act like he would act in our relationships. Okay, let's take about uh, 20 minutes, if you would, and talk about this in your small groups.